0: You are listening to a broadcast of Dublin First Baptist Church, Pastor Cameron McGill in Dublin, North Carolina. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist Church and the Lake Church to hear from God's Word. Take your copy of God's Word and make it to Second Chronicles 20, or if you have your outline that's in your bulletin today, you'll be able to follow along. I wonder today, is there anybody here, your name is, is Jehoshaphat? Maybe, oh, no. Um, maybe, um, maybe you have a child, a, a brother, y- your father, a cousin... A neighbor? Do you know anybody named Jehoshaphat? A couple of weeks ago I was in a, a meeting and the gentleman who led the devotional, I'd like to dedicate this to um, <laughs> read it in moments notice. The one of the gentlemen that, that was leading in the devotions, he, he mentioned the name Jehoshaphat. And, and I thought, man, that's a good biblical sounding name. If I ever have another child, I'm going to name him Jehoshaphat. And then I began thinking. And I began wondering and a hunger for more about Jehoshaphat. Lord, I want to know about him. So I found him. He was right where he's always been. For 2,000 years, the Scriptures have been looking back to the battle of Jehoshaphat. And every morning for the last week or so, I've been meeting with Jehoshaphat. And can I tell you, I didn't know him two weeks ago, but I know him today. And man, he's just been encouraging me and, and pointing me to glory. Glory. He's been helping me when I'd get discouraged after watching the news. He's been lifting me up when I would get down, when I would begin thinking about our nation. Today is Pulpit Freedom Sunday. There are voter guides in the back encourage you to go vote. Vote your convictions. Vote your conscience. Vote for wonderful representatives like Brother Brisson that has stood for what is right, even when it was popular and when it was not popular. Vote for those like our dear Governor you say, wait a minute, preacher, is that legal? Yes, it is legal. You see, before 1954 and the Johnson Amendment that said it was illegal, there was a constitution and a bill of rights that said it was legal. I'm gonna go back to them and not to the Johnson Amendment, but that'll tell you more about that later on. You say, Well, preacher, I don't think you've got any right telling us who to vote for. I don't think I'd be right to tell you not who to vote for. Now I'm not gonna start calling too many names. But I'm gonna tell you vote for who's right. And the right is the root word of the word righteous. Vote for those that are righteous. Right? We're in a heap of trouble, as one Indian said to the other Indian, but I want to tell you, I'm going to do everything I can to put the best people in office that I possibly can. I only have one vote, but I'm going to make it count. But for those like Dan Forrest, I heard the other week, he began just praising the Lord in the midst of a storm. Now, I know our governor's crazy, that he wants men to use men's rooms and women's... To, let me tell you something. I don't have anywhere to be to 12 o'clock. Our governor's about to be run out of the state because he simply believes that Cassie ought to use the girls' room and Colin and Connor ought to use, thank y'all for letting me be your pastor. We had some folks visit the Lake Church this morning. I've not seen them in years. They surprised us. I got to baptize their daughter five years ago because their church didn't have a pastor. And they said, "Will you come baptize our daughter. That's just so cool. All the things God's let me do. But anyway. Governor McCurry thinks that Cassie ought to use the girls' room, Connor and Colin ought to use the, the boys' rooms. So the NBA says, Well, I tell you what, we're going to pull our tournament out of your state, Governor. See how you like that. NCAA said, We're not going to have our, our tournament in, in your state. See how you like that. I let them go, ACC and all these. But you know what I come to realize? If you play basketball in the NCAA and you're a boy, you play on the boys' team. If you're a girl, you play on the girls' team. Same is true with ACC and NCAA. No, that it doesn't make any sense. And I was thinking about that and praying. And I'm so, con- you know, I, I see the governor in tears, and I said, "Governor, what can I do for you?" He says, "Pray for my wife. She's scared to leave her house." And I began thinking. I thought, "Aha! Now I get it." All these years I've been preaching out of the Bible that said, woe unto those who call evil good and good evil, and that that day would come when men would be lovers of their own selves, and they would do what was right in their own eyes, and they wouldn't care what God thought. We're there. We're there. Well, see, I thought about it. I'll preach this pulpit, Freedom Sunday, and it'd be a very political message. I'll give you a lot of statistics. I'll talk a lot about James Madison. Man, he was a smart dude. James Madison said, country, be careful if anybody ever rises up and tries to take power from the people and give it to the uh, and, and give it to the government. Be careful. All these kind of things. But the more I tried to talk God into just let me preach on one of those kind of messages, God just kept taking me back to Jehoshaphat. So here we go. Very quickly. I won't keep you long. All right? right, Second Chronicles chapter 20. I wanted to make sure you had the Word of God with you in case you didn't bring your Bible, so I gave you the little passages there that are in your outline. Here we go. Jehoshaphat, poised for victory. I'm going to share seven things. I'm going to make it very, very quick, okay? I want you to get this. I don't want you to leave without it. I want to make sure that you got a hold of this, make sure it makes sense to you. Because I believe that 2 Chronicles 20 not only can change our outlook on the future, but if somehow it could penetrate the White House, the governor's mansion, all the way down, somehow I believe it could change our nation. But ultimately, the change is only going to come when the people of God get serious about having a faith like that of Jehoshaphat. Verse 1 and 2. I want you to see with me, first of all, the progression of the enemy. If you know that you have an enemy, say, Amen. Do you know the enemy is not the Democrats or the Republicans or the Independents? The enemy is not Hillary. The enemy is not... Oops, I didn't say enemy. <laughs> a lot to be said about that, too. I'll preach on that tonight. The enemy is not our elected officials. The enemy is not our culture that is in crisis. The enemy is not a society that's gone crazy. The enemy is not the media that is so biased. The enemy is the same enemy that's been around for about 6,000 years to mankind. And his name is Satan. He is a roaring, mighty lion seeking whom he might devour. And now that the battle is drawing to an end, he is waging an all out attack on all that is good and all that is God and all that is holy. But it's not his first attack, the very first, the very first couple. What did he do? He attacked them. He didn't look and say, What a lovely garden. And look at that cute couple. Aren't they sweet? He said, Get this, y'all. He said, Look at that couple. They're on God's side, therefore I am their enemy. I will give everything within my power to destroy them. And before you knew it, they were out of the garden. Progression of the enemy, verses one and two. I, I've paraphrased the passages that are before you for time's sake. Here we go. The people of Moab, the people of Ammon, and others. There are three armies that are gathering, and they came against Jehoshaphat. What was Jehoshaphat's crime? Why were they coming against him? He was God's chosen king for the period of time to lead God's people. His only crime was being a believer. If you're here today and you share the truth of God's word in this nation and you lose your job, what was your crime? You were a believer. If you're silenced at your workplace and said, keep your faith at home, don't bring it in this place, what was my crime? I'm a believer. If in the next five years, as it appears, it very well may be that what I do for a living becomes illegal based on hate crime laws, what was my ultimate crime? I am a believer. Making you a believer puts you in the crossers of the enemy. Notice they were coming from everywhere. And some came to Jehoshaphat the king and said this, A great multitude is coming against you, king. Beloved, every day as I read the papers and as I look on the news, I see that there is a great multitude coming against us. Those who are determined to be politically correct, socially confused, and and so much more, they're coming against us. The Taliban and and the terrorists, they're coming against us. Enemies from within and enemies from without, they're coming against us. The growth of Islam in our own nation. By the way, no nation has ever survived Islam. I'm not talking about Islamic terrorists. You go back to the very beginning of, of, of the Islamic faith. Muslims come into a land not to fit in but to take over. They have no desire to learn our customs and our habits. They have a desire to come in and destroy us based solely on the fact that we are Christians. Enemies everywhere. The progression of the enemy, y'all, it's going to get worse. I'm not here to be an alarmist or to scare you, but sometimes you just, you know, got to just tell it like it is. Over the last couple of weeks, there have been cases that I've been hearing about, about firemen going to people's houses, knocking on the doors, and and the people in the homes would come out, and the firemen would say, you've got to get out of here. The, the, The waters are rising. A dam is broken. A levee is given way. The waters are going to come in. You've got to get out of here. And they look to the left, and they see no water. And they look to the right, and they see no water. And they say, no, we're going to stay put. Everything's going to be fine. Were those firemen alarmists? No, they were just telling the truth. I believe when we reach into the Word of God and we pull out, Thus saith the Lord, we are not being extremists. We are simply being literalists. We take the Word of God. And when the Bible said that evil men and seducers would wax worse and worse as the day of Christ's return approaches, we're simply telling it like it is. And they look to the left and they say, I don't see no Jesus. They look to the right and say, well, I don't see Him coming. He must not be coming, old friend. He is. He is. And the closer to His return, the more rampant the enemy's attack. Number two, not only do we see in this text the progression of the enemy, we also see the preparation for battle. What should we do to prepare? What should we do when we, when we realize that our nation is so fastly running away from the Word of God? If we looked at the difference in ten years ago and today, we would be amazed to see how far we've drifted in only one decade. Did you ever think... 10 or 15 years ago, that we would be in a state that would allow a dirty old man to go in the bathrooms with your precious little daughters. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, no, no. Now, the governor's passed HB2, which sounds really technical. All it means is we're going to go back to the way we've done things since the beginning of our state, that you have to use the bathroom based on your actual gender, not just how you feel. Right? So, so we've got a law to protect us. But we also have an attorney general who refuses to make that law stick because he doesn't agree with it. The Constitution says, watch, elected official who subverts the will of the people. What are we to do, preacher? What are we to do? Should we, should we just come in here in fear and just talk about how bad it is? Should we get on Facebook and spread oh it's getting worse and it's getting worse and there's nothing we can do. Well let's look at what the children of Israel. The children of Judah, let's see what they did to prepare to prepare and Jehoshaphat feared. Can I tell you fear is okay? I'm scared. I look at my children, I look at my precious little daughter and I think what kind of world is she going to inherit from me? I hold Ellie up here and she's so precious. I like to nickname our kids, you know, the, the kids in the church. And I've decided I'm going to call her S.J. Love that S.J. She's a sign of junior. I mean, you look at her and she's a sign of junior, you yeah? She's so precious and she's so innocent. But she is not inheriting the same country that Daphne inherited. She's not. So what are we to do? Jehoshaphat feared. Jehoshaphat then said, him, I love this. Set himself to seek the Lord. I am determined I am going to seek the Lord. By the way, all throughout Scripture, any time there was a great move of God, you can trace it back to people being in the presence of God. Even the life of Christ. Before the miracles, he was alone with God. Before the great, uh, amazing testimonies of the miracles that he would perform, feeding thousands. ...blinded eyes on and on and on. Before these miracles, there was always time alone with God. Before his days of, uh, of temptation in the wilderness, there was time alone with God. Before his cross, there was time alone with God. It is time that the people of the church, it is time that the bride of Christ get alone with God. The Bible said, And Joseph had feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed to fast throughout all Judah. He knew the only hope was for God's people to get into the presence of a powerful, almighty God. So Judah, I like this part, they just followed in obedience. So Judah gathered together. That'll preach. They gathered together. There weren't like the Methodists over there doing their thing and the Presbyterians doing their thing and the Pentecostals doing their thing and the Baptists doing their thing. No, they came together. They came together. There's a coming together that must happen. Our churches are in competition. Our churches are competing for members. They're competing for ministries, trying to outdo one another, trying to make their product a more desired product so more people will come to their place. Listen, friend, it's time that Christians, that the children of God, come together. Tiffany said to me the other day, I guess it was about Thursday, she said, Cameron, look. Cameron, look. And I looked out across the house. And I saw Leah. And I saw Jay and I heard Jay, and I I saw Brooks, and I saw Haston. And she said, it's been a long time, hasn't it? You see that our children were together because they're gone in different directions in college and gone and here and there. It, It literally has been months and months and months since our whole family was actually in the house together, which is a pretty crowded little house. But it was awesome and it made mama happy and it made daddy happy just to look and say, all of my children, they're together. We have a heavenly father that desires his children to come together. They came together. And they asked help from where? Wait a minute. FEMA, the Red Cross. (laughs) Wait a minute. Did they ask help of the government? Did they ask help of the king? No, they asked help directly from the Lord. I think that's awesome. Awesome. I understand that we're in a critical time and a crisis time. And I understand in November, I keep hearing a lot about this election. So there's going to be an election. And at the end of the day, somebody else will be in the White House in January than those that are in the White House in December. That's just going to happen. And either way we go, there's going to be a womanizer in the White House. I'm not sure if he's sleeping on the left side or the right side. We don't have a lot to choose from. I'll give you that. Give you that. But you know What? The president is the president of this nation, but God is still king of my life. We need to make sure we've got things in the right stepping order. I don't answer to him. You say, now, wait a minute. The Bible says that we follow the laws of the land. I will to the very best of my ability. But not because I fear the land, but because I fear the Lord. I will be obedient and respectful so long as I'm never asked to compromise my convictions. They came together. From all of Judah, they came together from different cities and they knew that the time was at hand and they, and they knew that there was crisis at hand. So they came together. There was a desperation and they came together and they said, oh Lord, we come to seek your face. Lord, we come to... By the way, when was the last time you got alone with God? Man, it's, it's hard for me, you know. I've only got one speed and it ain't slow. It's hard for me just to stop and be still and get alone with God. But I think about this, and I'm not being critical, and I'm not trying to put you down or anything, but just here, every day I hear this. Preacher, you're not going to believe what I saw on Facebook. Preacher, have you seen what's going around on Facebook? Nope. I ain't got the thing, you know? And that's not a criticism of those that do. I just can't sit down and do nothing, all right, and, uh, and all that. But I just long for somebody to call and say, Oh, preacher. Let me tell you what God said to me this morning. Let me tell you what I found in the Word of God. Let me tell you what I found on the pages of Scripture. Can I tell you, if sometime we'd take some of our social media time out and replace it with some scriptural? it'd probably be a whole lot better off. Seek the Lord early while He may be found. There's all kinds of other things we can put before God, but they realize this is a crisis situation. Now, I know somebody probably got mad and turned me off ready to go. Bear with me, just think about it. I'm to tell you... Don't have other things in your life. I got a lot of other things in my life, but we just got to make sure we got the right priorities and the first things first. There's a preparation for battle. What are they doing to prepare? They're seeking the Lord and they're getting in His presence. Number three, need to move quickly. Notice the proclamation of God's sovereignty. The proclamation of God's sovereignty, verse five through twelve. Then Jehoshaphat said, "O Lord God of our fathers," he was looking back. Are you not God in heaven? He looked up. And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nation? He looked around. And when he looked back, and when he looked up, and when he looked all around, all he could see was God. In your hand is there not power and might? And so that no one is able to withstand you, O God... And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Seir, and they're coming to throw us out of the land that you gave us. Oh, God, will you not judge them? Oh, God, will you not take care of them? For Listen, get this. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But, Lord, our eyes are upon you. How many times over the last weeks and months have I felt a sense of just despair in my soul? Thinking about was well, there someplace else we could go, you know? Start all over as a Christian nation. Maybe we could secede, get like a fourth of the country. And we could just kind of... Be... By the way, the Constitution says that we need to be prepared to do that. Read your Constitution. It's amazing reading. Wow, those guys were smart. Lord, what are we going to do? Lord, I don't know what to... But Lord, my eyes are upon you. Where are you putting your hope? Where are you putting your confidence? Where are you putting your trust? Beloved, may I say to you, what we need today is a Jehoshaphat in the house of the Lord and not a Jezebel in the White House. What we need is for God's people to get alone, to get on their face before God. Think about this for a minute. I heard a dispatcher and they were giving a testimony about a home that was on fire. And the house was on fire and and the lady that lived there called in desperation and she said, I don't know what to do. I am in my bedroom, but every exit to my bedroom is now blocked with flames. There is absolutely no way out. I am going to die if something doesn't happen. And the dispatcher very calmly said, ma'am, please be still. Get in the floor. Put your face as close to the ground as possible. And ma'am, help is on the way. Within just a few moments, she could hear the sirens approaching the house. And within just a few more moments, she could hear the firemen coming through the window and rescuing her Beloved, may I tell you, even as your pastor, I don't know exactly what to tell you to do. I've looked to this way and I've looked to that way and I can't see any way out of this thing. But I believe it's time that the children of God just put their face to the floor and to the ground and get as close to the presence of God as humanly possible. Oh, but take hope and take faith and know that help is on the way. There's a rescuer named Jesus and at any moment he's going to be dispatched. He's going to be sent from glory to take his children home. By the way, let me just give you this real quick. I was talking to a dear brother this week and I said, I'm just not sure at the fate of our country what's going to happen. He said, well I believe this. I believe that God's just going to be getting his bride ready. For you see, there's been no persecution in America to the church. We're the only place on this planet where we've been spared. And the church, we're not the church. We're not a prepared bride. Churches are fighting and splitting over the color of the carpet, whether to have chandelier or can lights, whether to have a screen or no screen what kind of music what kind of worship whether to meet in a fancy building or a very plain building all of these things churches are divided and fighting amongst themselves and all the time God's saying just seek my face seek my presence so here's what just might be going to happen over the next 5 or 10 or 15 years America may get just what she wants leaders and rulers who are not godly and are not biblical in any way shape or form and what we might see is the church in America become persecuted the church in America become under attack and hopefully what that's it's going to bring about it's the church coming before their before their master and before their god there'll be a purifying of the church i want to tell you friend if you're if you're married today if you were a bride or if you were a groom think about those days leading up there was a great anticipation you set the date and you put out some announcements and you began looking forward to that date and the time seemed to drag by for a while and then the time began to speed up and all of a sudden before you knew it you were ready to get married and it was the day before and you said goodbye to your to, your bride because you know you can't see the bride on the day of the wedding. So there was that departure and you looked at her and said, I'll be back. And she looked at you and said, I can't wait. And then she'd begin that process. Early in the morning she would rise. She would get her face fixed just right. Her hair put just like it was supposed to be. And then you'd make the journey over to the church or to some other place. And then just an hour or so before the wedding, a group of young ladies would gather around that bride and they'd bring it in. It was that dress. And they'd have that dress in one of those beautiful little gown coverings and they would unzip that bag. You can almost hear it now. And they would pull that dress out and the bride would wipe the tears away for she's been looking forward to that moment since the time she was a little girl. She had never seen something so beautiful, so pure, and so white. And they would take that dress and they would carefully place it upon uh, upon that bride's head until it was fitted all over her. And they would stand back so that she could see herself in the mirror. And she would say, I'm ready for it now I wasn't ready yesterday I wasn't ready just a few hours ago I sure wasn't ready last week at this time but I'm ready now I'm white and ready to go can I tell you and then all of a sudden that moment would come somebody would look at their watch and say it's time it's time and the groom would step out and he would receive his bride oh beloved in America the church is not ready the church is not pure the church is not all white nor all right friend and I believe there's going to be a purifying as the day of Christ returns gets closer. Only God the Father knows and there's going to come a time where He looks at His eternal watch and says, It's time, son. Go get my children. Oh, that we would be ready. Oh, that we would be adorned. Oh, that we would be prepared. And this just might be what it takes in America. Thank both of you. I appreciate that. I was ready amen myself. (laughs) Number three, our eyes are upon you. Number four, the promise of certain victory. I guess y'all are hungry. I'll move quickly. I'm the only man in town don't even get paid overtime if I go over. By the way, there's a law that says you got to pay me overtime if I go over. It's a new law. I went into a meeting the other day. The promise of certain victory. Here it is. Now all of Judah, I love this picture. This Does not look like the church? Now all of Judah with their little ones, their wives, their children stood before the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Who was that? It was a Levite prophet. The prophet said, This, listen. That's a lot in that word. Mamas, when you look at your children, you say, Listen, it means something. Children, when your daddies look at you and they say, Listen, it means something. The prophet said, Listen any minute. You say, Well, that was a lot of nerve, him speaking, he wouldn't speak, and he was a prophet. he was a mouthpiece of God. Prophecy being the history of the future, he was simply stating what had already happened in the quarters of time and all eternity. Look with me. Listen, all of you of Judah and Jerusalem, and you, King Joseph, that's kind of tough. You too, King. Listen. Listen, and he did. He did. By the way, another mark of a great leader, they listen to those around them. Here's the word of the Lord. You ready? Do not be afraid. You need to keep this verse with you, y'all. Do not be afraid. You say, but wait a minute, preacher, you don't understand what we're going through. Yes, there were three armies coming against them to destroy them. They were all going to perish. They were all going to die. You see, back then when there was a battle, they didn't just fight a few And the military. People would die and everybody else was okay. They killed everybody. Entire races of people would be wiped off the face of the earth. By the way, you do realize there's always been a war on the Jews and they've tried to annihilate them everywhere they could, but continue looking. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Because of this great multitude that's coming against you. Why? Listen, because the battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to God. So tomorrow, go down against them. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. What an awesome word of the Lord. This is a reoccurring theme in the Bible. Did you know that? Gideon's army, be not afraid. God's with you. You don't need thousands. God's with you. David looked up at Goliath. He was a ruddy lad. You know what that means? It means his voice was probably not completely changed yet. Don't you love when these young men are, you know, they're they're talking. All of a sudden, their voice begins to squeak, you know. Goliath, you're no match for, for my God. Because the battle's not mine, Goliath. The battle's God's. Can't you imagine Daniel looking in the eyes of the lion? You big, bad lion. My God's going to fight my battle. The three Hebrew boys, I believe they might have held hands. Said, all right, fellas, here we go. We know that God's going to be with us. This is his battle. The New Testament, the storms would come. God proved himself The master of the storms. Disease would come. God would prove himself master of the disease, blindness, hunger, even death. There's only one way that Jesus defeated the cross not because of his humanity, but because of his deity. There's only one way that we're going to be able to see victory, and it's not based in our humanity but it's based in His deity. The promise of certain victory. Here it is. Prophecy equals history of the future. History cannot be altered. I know some people try, but it cannot be altered. You can't change what already happened. Man, I wish I could sometimes. But you cannot change what already happened. So if prophecy is the history of the future, that means you cannot change it. So when the prophet spoke and said... God will be with you. God will fight your battle. By the way, God has never, God has never, ever, 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 ever lost a battle. He hadn't. He said, wait a minute, his people. That wasn't him. The time God's people lost the battle was when God's people decided they would do things their way and not his way. Remember one season as the boys were playing baseball, they had a season where they didn't lose any games and Haston was so excited. He said, Daddy, we were undefeatable. That's pretty good. He meant undefeated, but I got what he was saying. Friend, we're undefeatable. You said, now wait a minute, wait a minute. How do you know? Because I've read the end of the book, and it is settled. Revelation cannot be changed. The book of John cannot be changed. Uh, you know, all the works of the New Testament, what, what, what's happened is happening. and it can't be changed. And what is happening is happening. It can't be changed. And what's going to happen is going to happen, and it can't be changed because it's truth. It's prophecy, the history, of the future. In other words, we also have a promise of certain victory. Certain victory. Number five, I'm just about done. The posture of God's people. All right, it's about time for the battle. Here's what's going on. Jehoshaphat, remember, he bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord praising the God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning, and they went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Josaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be saved. Believe in His prophets, and you shall prosper. And they went out before the army, saying, get this, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. What did they do? How did they prepare for battle? They worshipped God. They did all they knew to do. Friend, there are so many times in life that I don't know what to do, but I do know to worship the Lord. Now, there's a lot in this, and I want, don't want you to miss this part. We pick out songs for the services here. Tommy leads that. There are times that I feel that we need something particular. I'll ask for that. But there's a proper order that you put your songs, and it's not just that way in church. It's that way with a lot of things. You have to a proper order, okay? Uh, Any of you like NASCAR? Anybody still watch NASCAR? Do they still have NASCAR? Okay. Um, I knew they used to. But um, can you imagine, all right, they're lining up for the Daytona 500, right? And one of the drivers, they're lining the cars up, you know, in the order they qualified. And um, they still have Dodges. They race Dodges still? No? No, okay, that explains why the sport went. (laughs) But anyway. They're lining them all up. I don't know Toyotas. but put Toyotas and NASCAR? They line them all up. And all of a sudden, one of the guys that's lining up, he takes a left turn and he goes over into victory circle and starts doing donuts. That'd be crazy. Like, no, 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 dude. The race is still ahead. There's not time for a victory lap. It's not time to be going to victory lane. But when you read this, you see that they are singing a victory song and the battle's not even happened yet. They are singing praise the Lord for victory, but yet they've not even stepped foot onto the battlefield. Mm. That's how we can sing victory in Jesus, even though we're not yet in glory. That's how we can sing the old songs of Zion before we get there. Because there is a guarantee of victory, we know the outcome. Well, continue looking. They worship. Let me give you this. If God can steal our worship, He can steal our victory. Not everybody feels like worshiping God. I was watching Charles Stanley last night briefly. I watch him sometimes get some ideas for Sunday morning. And um, they, Rodney Brooks, the guy that leads their, their music, awesome guy. I love him dearly. And, man, he's got 450 people or whatever it is in the choir. And they're, they're, it's, it's good. It's good, y'all. And, man, and they're singing. And you see people there singing and praising the Lord and enjoying the worship. And then you see them. They're in every church. Even First Baptist Atlanta. They ain't going to sing. Lord knows they ain't going to clap, raise their hand and say, Glory, hallelujah. And what they are going to do is look around at people and say, I don't get it. I don't understand why all of they singing and carrying on and act like they're happy and want to be here. I let it stay on for a little bit and I ain't putting nobody down. And the Shuler Hour of Power came on, and they had the choir. beautiful, I'm sure. And they got up, and they started singing something. At first, I thought my hearing was messed up. And then I realized it was either Latin, Greek, or Hebrew, or Pig Latin. I ain't sure what it was. And I can understand most languages. I mean, you know, or at least get an eye. I don't even know what it was. It was something old. And they, were, they had their books, and oh, it was, oh, it was beautiful, I'm sure. But I didn't know what they were singing. And I'll tell you, I tried to worship, but I just couldn't. I couldn't get into it because I didn't understand what they were singing. Can I tell you, friend, when it comes to worship, I want to understand that I am worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only one who did, could, or would die for me. Whether it's a slow song or a fast song, an upbeat song, or a song that's not so upbeat, I just want to worship Him. But I wondered how many of those people, they don't have any worship, and they don't have any victory, and they're leaving a very defeated life. Last things, the particulars of the battle, verse 22. Don't, don't turn the channel just yet. We're almost done. Now, what's the next, next word? Thank you. I'm glad somebody was awake. Now, when... That's a big word, y'all. It was incumbent upon their obedience to kick things off. Right? They did their part Now. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up to to the inhabitants of Mount Seir, and they began attacking one another. Remember, these three armies had come together with one common enemy, Judah. But yet, they began turning their swords on one another until everybody was dead. No one had escaped. Three days they were gathering the spoil. Here's the particulars of the battle. God's people realized their limitations. God's people realized their place. And God's people realized God. I'm not going to panic. Now, I have a tendency to want to, but I'm not going to panic. Because, see, one of these days, all of this will be over. One of these days, all this will be behind. And all that I'll have is eternity to worship my Lord. So why not get a jump start right here and right now? The particulars of the battle. God fought their battle. God won their battle. It's amazing how he works that way. I remember as a little boy, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho. And I'd sing that song and I'd think, he didn't fight that battle, God did. Right? God's going to fight this battle too. Last thing, verses 26 through 30, the praise of the victors. What did they do? They didn't run back and say, boy, look at all we did. They didn't say, boy, our worship must have really been good that day. (laughs) You, they didn't have one, because they basically were singing and praying, and, and it, the text, it, it, it talks about this, that every person did their part. The singers sang, the prayers prayed, the preachers preached, it was cool. But they didn't go back and say, I bet we won because of my song. Right? Here it is. And on the fourth day, because they spent three days gathering a on the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Blessing. For a day, they just worshipped the Lord. Mm. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Then they returned every man to Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem. Listen here. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. I thought about Jamie and Jeff. I don't know. I just thought about them at this part. They came back and they had them some church up in there. Okay. Okay. And get this, Mm, don't miss this part. And the fear of God was on all of the kingdoms of the countries around them when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. For hundreds of years, especially the last 150 or so, America has been revered and feared across this world. We were considered the leading world power both in economics, our military, our borders, our family structure. So many things. But in the last 10 years or so, we've become a laughing stock around the world. I read that passage and I... Do you realize that as long as we were truly one nation behaving as though we were a nation under God, we were well respected around the world... But the further we drift away from our gospel moorings, the further we drift away from that, the less respect we have globally. You can't help but know that the two are very connected. What has set us apart from every other nation on planet Earth? It's not the height of our buildings. There are places in this world that have built higher. It's not the strength of our military, because now in this generation for the first time ever there are military stronger than ours. It's not the size of our economy because we now are not even near the top. What has set us apart is for whatever reason God chose to bless us and to endow us not only with certain inalienable rights like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness but also with His powerful hand of protection. Never been a war fought on our soil, save Pearl Harbor. His blessing, His provision, and His providence. I pray He doesn't lift that hand from us, but He very well may. Let's pray, but if you didn't get anything else, I do want you to get this little... uh, Three-point out, three outline you can share with somebody. You ready? The enemy, he was a pressing in. <laughs> the king, he was pressing on. Ah, but the Lord God, he was pressing forth. Father, speak to hearts that which no man can speak to ears. Lord, we realize that Judah had no hope but you. They would have met certain defeat because their enemy was an overwhelming enemy. They won only because of you. You have not weakened. You have not grown old. You have not grown in any way, shape, or form less effective. Lord, we don't use you as a good luck charm. We don't use you as a secret weapon that we can bring in from the bench when things get real bad. But, Lord, we just fall upon our face as Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel did, realizing you're our only hope, you're our help. And, God, I thank you that no matter who sits in the Oval Office, you sit on your throne, and there'll never be an election to remove you from that throne. God, I do thank you for our elected officials. I thank you for those that work and that labor to protect us, to secure us. But Lord, I pray you would remove those who seek to, Lord, draw us even further away from what is good and what is right. God, you're a God of miracles. And we believe in miracles and we call upon you begging in Jesus' name to perform a miracle in our land, revive our land, restore our land. But, oh, God, if not, prepare us to be purified. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.